This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Great to be with you uh, for another week as we slowly approach Warren Buffett status. Yeah. Week by week, we get there yeah, slowly, yeah, yeah. very, very slowly. Another bold prediction uh, that I didn't make in our bold prediction episode, but I should have. Uh, Warren Buffett is going to, there's going to be a lot of Warren Buffett love this year. Okay. You reckon yeah. he's back? Well, every time uh, high growth is having a moment, everyone's like, Buffett's lost it. Buffett's lost it. <laughs> but then when he, uh, when growth falls, like in 2000, everyone's like, Buffett's the king. Well, Buffett's the didn't king. Didn't we put up a social post quite recently that showed uh, the divergence that occurred between Ark's ETF yeah, yeah, and, yeah, Warren, yeah. and Buffett yeah, and Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway? Yeah. And Bu- um, Berkshire is now caught Ark. Yeah, 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 it's fascinating. Well, speaking of markets, that's what we're going to be focusing on in this episode today. We have previously spent the last two Mondays doing our bold predictions and stock of the year. So it's time to take stock, pun intended, and uh, recap what's been happening in markets while we've been on holidays, uh, have a look at some of the companies that have uh, outperformed over uh, reporting season in the US, uh, some that have majorly disappointed. And many that have <laughs> not outperformed. <laughs> yes. And then uh, have a look at what Jeremy Grantham has been saying, the perma bear, and close out by having a conversation around whether or not this is a dead cat bounce or not. So plenty to cover. Let's get stuck in, Ren, unless there's some housekeeping we want to cover yeah, first. Yeah, one piece of housekeeping. Uh, we have our annual survey out. We just want to know who's listening, what you want out of Equity Mates, where you're at in your investing journey, uh, so we can better make content for you and hopefully grow the Equity Mates community. Uh, we do have a $500 prize as an incentive, but hopefully the incentive is to just help us make better content. Um, <laughs> so if you can jump into any of our channels, socials, show notes here, uh, however you interact with Equity Mates, there will be a link uh, to the survey. If you could please fill it out, that would 
uh, be greatly appreciated. It won't take more than 15 minutes and to be eligible for the 500, all you need to do is answer all the questions. Pretty easy. So uh, we would really appreciate that. There's a couple of weeks before it closes, so get on it. But don't wait a couple of weeks. No, because then it we'll now. worry about the response rate, and <laughs> yeah. then we'll keep talking about it. And then but we'll if fire you get it Alf done, who's if, responsible? <laughs> if you get it done early, then we won't be worried about it, and we'll shut up and not do housekeeping and yes. just get into the episode. Yes. <laughs> so, Ren, there's been plenty happening while we're away, and we're going to have a chat now about the demise of the unprofitable meme or story stocks, particularly since the start of Jan. Yeah, which is. Uh, funnily gone in parallel with the demise of your portfolio. <laughs> Not true. Companies that are reporting well but missing analyst expectations are getting pumped and then there are companies that continually beat expectations and are doing well. So let's start with the unprofitable meme stocks and the story stocks and maybe when we go through them it'd be good to recap perhaps what the if they were the story stock or the meme stock. Because um, What's the difference? Good question. Well, that feels like an <laughs> unnecessary thing to do then. <laughs> so, look, if your portfolio was made up of Tesla, AMC, GameStop, Robinhood, Virgin Galactic, Rivian, and a bit of crypto, you're going to be in a world of pain at the moment because mm. they are the stocks that uh, last year saw terrific performance in terms of their share price, but since the start of Jan have really suffered. Tesla is down 23%, AMC is down 38% but are almost down 70% since the start of September. GameStop, which we knew was one of the biggest meme stocks of last year, pumped up on uh, the Reddit community, is down 24%, 53% off its high. Robinhood, another sort of hyped up company when it IPO'd last year, uh, down 27%, uh, although 70% off it, 75% off its high in September. Virgin Galactic, hoping uh, everyone was getting on that, hoping that it would be the rocket ship. Uh, it is down 34% and down almost 90% since its peak in June last year. And electric vehicle company Rivian uh, really hit the ground running last year, but is now down 41% or 64% since November high. Now, we know the market has been dropping more broadly, but um, these are pretty significant falls for companies that uh, held a pretty strong place in many investors' hearts last year. Yeah, sounds like you don't have diamond hands. <laughs> I have nothing to do with these companies. I don't own any single one of those, thankfully. It, outright. Obviously, a lot of them are in ETFs. That Well, uh, Tesla will be in a lot of people's yeah, ETFs, but yeah. um, probably not mm, a lot of the other ones. Yeah. So, obviously, meme stocks were punished, I think is not a exaggeration. And, and a lot of people sort of wondered if that was the start of something bigger. And um, In parallel to that, we saw... I don't know if you call them meme stocks. I, I think they're a little bit different. Unprofitable, Unprofitable. tech, com tech yeah. companies also uh, fall away, Peloton, Zillow, the likes of those. But I guess before we get into that more generally, is this the end of the meme stock? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, what happened last year is is here to stay. Whether or not we're going to see it this year, uh, I'm not so sure. But no, it's definitely not the end of the meme stock. Everyone loves the story. I think a lot of investors invest on the basis of st stories and, and get attached to companies. And so, you know, Tesla is an, an, a great example of that. So I don't, I don't think this is the end of the meme stock, but I, I do think that it's, uh, it's going to sizzle for a little bit now as, as things potentially start to uh, revert to the mean somewhat. But we'll see what happens. Okay. What's the next meme stock? Um, the next meme stock will be Reddit if it IPOs. 
Yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Reddit pumping up. Reddit users pumping up Reddit. Yeah, yeah, and that's potentially going to happen this year. We'll talk about Reddit because I'm I'm pretty pretty. Yeah, you're on bullish it. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, just because I use it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. Invest in what you know. True. Yeah. True. Will, you, that's will why you, you invest? That's why you invest in Philip Morris. <laughs> <laughs> no, not true. Not true at all. Uh, we're back for another year. <laughs> all right. So I think that's that's the start. And that was, for many people, the question was, is this a canary in the coal mine? Does it start with the main stocks? Does it go to the unprofitable small tech stocks? And then does it follow to the rest of the economy? Uh, sorry, to the rest of the stock market. And like, is 2022 going to be year, a year of a bit of pain? And we will get to what some of the expert investors were saying but before we do we then entered earnings season and this was while we were on holidays trying to relax and all of a sudden you know Zuckerberg's calling us portfolios were in the red (laughs) and you know we were like should we be making content about this and Bryce was just like give me another margarita and (laughs) shut up and yes we were on holidays together we spend (laughs) all of our time together um but yeah earnings season kicked off and the market uh, in a word, I think is jumpy. Yeah, yeah, jumpy, jumpy. We often speak on the show that expectations are everything when it comes to uh, reporting season. And if uh, a company doesn't meet expectations, despite probably putting up some good numbers, it'll get punished. And if uh, a company exceeds expectation, it's likely to get re- rewarded on the upside. And we're seeing that in a big way at the moment. Yeah. So a couple of examples here, and I know the first one might not be the best because it did present some pretty poor results. But overall, let's have a chat about Meta or Facebook. So it did uh, $33.67 billion in revenue and that was versus $33.4 billion in expectation from the market. So they beat expectations. Daily active users was $1.93 billion. The market ex- expected $1.95, so just missed. $2.91 billion monthly active users and the market expected $2.95 billion, so just missed. And they gave guidance of $29 billion in revenue for this coming quarter versus expectation of $30 billion. So the market expected a billion more. So not too far off expectations, some pretty reasonable numbers the stock did plunge, though, 20% off the back of that. But, Ren, there are some other reasons that that was the case. Yeah, well, if people follow us on Instagram, they'll know that we've got a bet going. Uh, you think Meta slash Facebook will become a $2 billion company? $2 billion, I'll take it, yeah. yeah. Trillion. Uh, oh, t- <laughs> <laughs> two trillion. I can't remember if it was one or two, to be honest, yeah, but whatever. Whatever. Let's call it one. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think it will ever hit there. Uh, and so, you know, Bryce has come on the pod today and he's saying, oh, they only just missed their numbers. <laughs> that, um, whereas I'm going to tell you why they fell 26% in a day, uh, which was the largest value mm. fall in history. There's percentage-wise, it's been bigger. Yep. But in terms of the amount of market cap value, investor money that was wiped out in a day, there's never been more. 230 billion US. So thanks, Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> um First of all, the very first time ever their daily active users has fallen Yeah, on Facebook. I think that was a million, wasn't it? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And so it's not about the fact that it was only they just missed expectations. It was Mm. about the fact that you have to significantly readjust your growth rates and your projections for this company if 
daily active users are falling. Mm. Secondly, Apple's privacy changes on the iOS 14 have really started to impact revenue. But interestingly and importantly for the market, it affected Facebook a lot more than it affected Google. Google has been able to manage the Google suck up or did suck up just as much data, perhaps even more data than Facebook, but it hasn't effect, affected their business as much as it's affected Facebook's. Mm. And you can sort of understand why that is because Google can still target search terms without needing data on you, whereas Facebook need that data on you to t- effectively target ads. So uh, that that was a big one. Um, let's see if I can remember the two other reasons off the top of my head. You might need to help me out here. I think those are the two biggest. The uh, other one was the huge expenditure on the metaverse. Huge expenditure on the metaverse costs are big uh, there. And then there was one more that I'm not going to remember. That's all right. You let's can Google going. it if you really care. But the long and the short of it is um, meta is a long way off $1 trillion now. Yes, yeah. It's what, it's uh, like in the $600 billions? Yeah. Still not small. Look, I'm going to stick with the bet, but still, I'm very, I'm very, still. I'm not, I'm nowhere near as confident as I yeah, was. But yeah, look, yeah. Uh, if who knows? It's the, we're just we're t- talking about one quarter here. So uh, the Zuck has turned it around before. Can he do it again? Time will only tell. But let's have a look at some other companies that reported pretty uh, reasonable results but got slammed. Spotify, uh, they increased. Uh, their monthly active users by 25 million. Paid subscribers grew 16% year on year. They have been pushing to increase their share of revenue by ads and that increased to a record 15% of total revenue. They beat expectations, yet the stock plunged 13% because their estimates for Q1 were below analyst expectations. Analysts were expecting more to occur uh, in the next quarter than what uh, Spotify have have, uh, advised. So despite uh, some pretty decent growth, um, they've been absolutely hammered uh, on over the last couple of days. So down 13%. Another one is Netflix. They beat profit in line with uh, revenue expectations. Net subscribers grew and uh, they got pumped. Uh, 20% shares fell 20% in a day, but that is because growth is, uh, subscriber growth is really slowing. And what it feels like is Meta and Netflix are in a battle with attention from TikTok. So... Uh, a really interesting dynamic playing out at the moment. But Ren, what about companies that beat expectations and continue to outperform? Yeah, well, we said that the market was jumpy. And so on, those three companies, uh, they all fell double digits um, because they slightly beat uh, or slightly missed uh, what the market expected of them. Um there were companies that surprised the market on the upside and the market jumped up. So it's not just jumping down, it's jumping both ways. It's just it's just big movements for big companies yeah, as well. Massive, yeah. Facebook saw the biggest value destruction in a day. Amazon saw the biggest value creation <laughs> yeah, in one day. They jumped 18% uh, after – so they reported after hours. The stock jumped 18% after, after they reported – uh, here's what the market expected from earnings per share, three dollars seventy eight. Here's what they delivered, twenty seven dollars <laughs> seventy five. <laughs> How can the market get it so wrong? So I think a big part of it, surprisingly, uh, given you've just spoken about this company as a meme stock that's fallen, but the company's net income was boosted by an eleven point eight billion dollar pre tax valuation gain from its investment in Rivian Automotive. Uh, t- an account, it's, that's, uh, so it's on paper. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rivian. Hopefully they sold before. Um, they don't even have a car yet. Yeah, they don't. But they've got a big investment from Amazon. They are down 41%. So you'd expect that to impact next, next quarter. Next quarter, yeah. But yeah, Amazon surprised on the upside and the market jumped. This is my favorite story though. Uh, social media company that you keep counting out that no one really understands how they keep doing it, but keep they keep doing up. it. Yeah. Well, actually, we all understand how they keep doing it. Young people flock to it. Um, they've got like 200 million uh, daily active or monthly active users still. Snap. Mm, Snap Inc. The company that that at one time tried to tell us they were a wearables company yeah, and yeah, they cameras. came out with uh, glasses with cameras on them, a more fashionable Google Glass. Forget the glasses because they are a social media platform that continues to go from strength to strength and they just announced their first quarterly profit as a public company. Finally profitable. No better surprise for investors than a surprise <laughs> profit. Yeah, well, we're a profitable tech company in general. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Up 60% yeah, in one, one day. It's crazy. Off one day. That's more than my portfolio will be up all year. <laughs> <laughs> sucks, to, sucks to be you. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a big one. Um, do you want to talk about any of the other companies that uh, that did well? I, I mean, it's just staggering that companies like uh, Amazon that have what, a $1.4 trillion valuation can ju- jump 18%. Um, it's pretty impressive. But look, others that have done well, Alphabet um, just keeps on uh, delivering. It had a, it had great results. Atlassian, homegrown, homegrown hero, uh, they had great results. And uh, another little fun one is uh, Chipotle. They also uh, beat analyst expectations and had a double-digit jump as well. So uh, there are still companies out there, despite what's going on in the market at the moment, that are uh, outperforming and uh, beating expectations and uh, yeah, it feels like if you're invested in some of these companies, then uh, you're going to be doing pretty well. So uh, Alassian are up 10%. Their normalized earnings per share, um, because actually from a gap accounting, they didn't actually make a profit, but normalized earnings per share, 50 cents beat by 11 cents. Like that's a big expectations beat, uh, up 10%. Mike Cannon Brooks can probably buy more of the Southern Highlands as a result. <laughs> he, he doesn't if he doesn't own enough of it already. And for those overseas, that's a really nice place down in the south coast of Australia. Well, no, no, not south coast, like inland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of hours south of Sydney. Yeah. Mike Cannon Brooks has bought like eight properties down there or something. So huge far. amount of land. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huge amount of land. Uh, obviously, that's American companies. We'll talk about Australian companies' earning season a little bit later. We, we're sort of a couple of weeks into it. Um, but I think the takeaway is we started the year with a lot of panic and then earnings season was a really mixed bag. There were some great results and some quite poor results uh, and the market is incredibly jumpy. Obviously, we've been reading, like a lot of people, everything that's been happening uh, around uh, expert investors calling crashes and you know what does that mean and what does how should we be investing as a result. So let's take a quick break and then get into that discussion, talk about what we've been reading and then talk about how we are approaching the year as investors. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Bryce, before the ad break, I mentioned that there's a lot of noise, shall we say, uh, a lot of noise from very rich and accomplished investors. Noise that makes you question whether you should be invested at all right now. Yes. So let's unpack that. Well, firstly, to those making noise, I say chill out. Yeah, just relax. (laughs) Because, yes, we started this episode by talking about some of the story stocks and the meme stocks that have been hammered into the tune of, you know, almost 90% in some cases. But I'm looking at the S&P 500 and since its peak in early January, it's down a whopping 4%. Yeah. So, firstly, chill out. Where uh, if you it was down what like ten percent, and then it's bounced back. Yeah, yeah. We hit correction on the ASX. We hit correction on the Nasdaq. We hit correction in the S and P. No, we didn't hit correction on the S and P. It fell nine point eight percent between the third of January Dang, and the twenty seventh of January. <laughs> and we don't roll up when we're, <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we don't yeah. round up. True, true. So we've just missed a correction, uh, and now we're seeing a little bit of a bounce. And we'll discuss that. Uh, what that could mean so, in a moment. So just in terms of these terms, uh, technically they say a market correction is if it falls 10% yeah. or more and then a market bear, bear, or bear, crash, crash. Bear, no, a bear market is 20% or more. Yeah, but I think a bear is over a period of time as well. It needs to be sustained. Right. And Look, Crash is 20, whatever. It's all, just, it's all down. <laughs> <laughs> but so Jeremy Grantham, who is uh, – a really notable investor, uh, co-founder of GMO over in Boston. He released an article at the start of this year that really, I guess, got people quite worried and he termed the US stock market a super bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, he re- he referenced this a bubble of this size has only been seen a few more times. US in 1929, hate to see that comparison. Mm-hmm. Japan in 1989. Not great. Uh, not great. Um, the a super bubble in housing in the United States in 2006, uh, and then also in housing in Japan in 1989. And then he said all five of these super bubbles. Oh, sorry. Also the US in 2000, the tech bubble. So he said all five of these super bubbles corrected all the way back to trend with much greater and longer pain than average. Now, that doesn't sound great. And he was basically (laughs) calling a 50% drop in uh, the US share market, which obviously got people worried. So I think it's important to say that Grantham captured headlines, uh, but he wasn't the only person that uh, started the year making big calls. He just he just branded it really well. Calling it a super Super bubble bubble, gets the media. Seth Klarman, uh, one of... Our favorite investors here. He he wrote uh, in on the nineteenth of January, so around the same time, against a backdrop of relentless money printing, a very active Federal Reserve, and financial largesse, many investors have been lulled to sleep, unaware of and unfocused on risk. He uh, he went on, but he was talking about the risk in the market and uh, obviously concerned. Um, and then a couple of other investors, um, Sam Zell and Thomas. Petafee. Uh, I won't read their quotes, but basically they were also saying that we're in a bubble uh, 11th of January, 19th of January in respectively. So like early January was 
the time when billionaires were calling bubbles, basically. But it's not new new news. Like we've had people being calling this last year in 2020 and, of course, it seems to sort of ramp up every year that goes by and it doesn't pan out the way that all these uh, bears think it does, uh, think it will, but um, like no better example than Grantham himself. Yeah, uh, Grantham is a perma bear. He is for a while now. He- what do we mean by that? Just constantly a, a negative Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the part of the episode that people will clip if the market does fall fifty percent and be like, listen to these two idiots. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it's so he has been calling a bubble for a while, and I guess he has the credentials to do so. Correctly called the, the crash of two thousand. Yeah. Uh, the over in the states, the tech crash, and uh, correctly called the two thousand and eight financial crisis, the housing crash. Mm. Uh, but as as if you are a perma bear, it can be argued that it's easy to call crashes as they eventually might pan out. Well, <laughs> if they say uh, a broken clock is right twice a day, uh, maybe we should say a bearish billionaire is right twice a decade. Twice a decade, Because yeah. he was right in 2000 and <laughs> 2008. Um, but he he loves to call. He does. He loves to call a crash. It, the last few years. So I remember the first time I came across Jeremy Grantham was 2018, uh, preparing thought starters, our Monday email sign up for it um, if you haven't already. Um, But he wrote this article uh, calling a near-term melt-up and then a crash. Yeah. And uh, that was January 2018 and I read it. I looked into him. I was like, this guy guy picked 2000 and 2008. (laughs) God, I should be worried. How do you reckon the market's gone since January 2018? Well, we know how it's gone incredibly well. (laughs) Even with the COVID crash of 2020 and the recent sell-off to start this year, it's uh, up about 70%. Yeah. Sorry, Jeremy. Glad I didn't miss that one. But that's not the only time he called a a crash of late. Called it in 2018. June 2020, quote, my confidence is rising quite rapidly that this is, in fact, becoming the fourth real McCoy bubble of my investment career. That didn't pan out. So 12 months later, May 2021, we will have to live potentially with the biggest loss of perceived value from assets that we have ever seen. That didn't pan out. So January 2021, sorry, 22, start of this year. I wasn't quite as certain about this bubble a year ago as I had been about the tech bubble of 2000 or as I had been in Japan or as I had been in the housing bubble of 2007. I feel highly likely, but perhaps not nearly certain. But today I feel it is just about nearly certain. So, uh, look, constantly upping the ante on his calls. Mm. He feels like this is the year. But, look, you got to take it all with a grain of salt because well, yeah. he's been calling this stuff for a while. And, and we should be quite clear. Like, I am also nearly certain that in the next decade <laughs> stocks will fall 50%. Like, I think that you could probably say that that's a near certainty. But historically the, speaking, yeah, yeah. But the timing of when market crashes is what makes calling them silly fraud. Yeah, because if if I'd listened to Grantham in 2018, I would have missed out on 70 percent returns 100%, if I yeah. just bought the index. You know, Grantham might be right. This might be the year that we see a 2000 like slow sell off and. Stocks eventually do fall fifty percent. He he could be a hundred percent right, but that could be four years from now, and we could miss another fifty percent leg up in the meantime. And 
if you're investing for the long term, you go in with your eyes wide open that at some point in the next seven to 12 years, I will lose 50% of whatever I've got invested. But over time, it will come back. Mm. At least historically, that's what it's always done. And if you just sat in cash on the sideline because a bearish billionaire told you year after year that it was all about to come down, at some point you would be very right, but you wouldn't be wealthy. <laughs> I also I also think as well like what what's what may like if you're going to sit in cash and wait for um wait for a moment where the stock market crashes right if you're anxious enough not to be putting money into the market when people are making these huge calls what what's the psychology that's going to make you all of a sudden dump all your cash in when the market's falling uh you know 20% 30% you're essentially then saying oh I'm going to try and call the bottom here you know what I mean like it's kind of a bit contradictory to me yeah I guess, but you know, I mean, he's an, a professional. I'm talking about a retail investor. I think the the emotional intelligence to sit, 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 and wait, and then for to think that you're going to be clear thinking when the market's yeah. really going crazy. Ah, it's tough. Yeah, it's a tough one. I know what you're saying. I also think that, like, if in 2018 I decided I'm not going to invest, I'm going to wait. There's no way I'd be doing an investing podcast in 2022. Like, no. I, I would have just lost all interest. I'm yeah, probably doing be like you a, a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not investing and doing an investing podcast. <laughs> true, true. Or it would just be really boring content. True. Like I'm What did you do last week? Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so I think Grantham could be right. Like we're laughing about him, but he could be right. You know, the there is an argument to be made that uh the way that the two thousand tech bubble played out was the unprofitable smaller companies fell first and then it sort of bled into other areas of the market and then eventually everything was falling. And we sort of saw that at the start of this year. The meme stocks were first to go, then the unprofitable high growth stocks with sky high expectations. And now we're starting to see it bleed into the very profitable companies that are just missing expectations like uh, Facebook and Netflix. Uh, and maybe that that continues. So that that is definitely one way this year will play out. The other way is that, um, you know, similar to December 2018 and, you know, a few other blips along the way, January 2022 was a, a blip, um, but the market still has another leg up before it falls. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, who, who knows? Um, but I think what we've learned is over time markets grind upwards as these companies get more innovative and create new products and uh, expand to new markets and hire more smart people to do incredible things. And that's a journey that we all want to be a part of. And as long as we're aware that at some point it might fall 20 or 30 or 50%, but then it will keep grinding upwards. I think that's that's how we have to approach it as investors. Yeah. So, Ren, let's, let's take a look at what happened to some of the key markets and uh, we'll also have a look at Bitcoin as well uh, during that period while we were on holiday sipping margaritas. Is that, not, then, a, is that not a key market in your mind? No, nah, no, nah, it's not. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, uh, let's go through it. Let's start in America because that's where all these billionaires uh, were talking about. Um, January hurt. January did hurt. January hurt to the tune of the S&P 500 between uh, the start of Jan after New Year's, we're all back, uh, and twenty and the 27th of Jan, which was the bottom, fell 9.8%. But look, if you if you stuck it out, didn't panic. Since that point uh, to the time of recording, it's uh, back up 6%. Uh, 
Uh, similarly, the NASDAQ 100 fell 15% during the same period. Uh, but then from the 27th of Jan, the bottom again uh, to to where we are today, it's up 7.53%. So definitely some recovery starting to happen. The Bitcoin Ren has actually been significantly hammered and um, it's, it's also returning down f- almost 50% from early November through to the 22nd of Jan. Um, so for those Bitcoin enthusiasts, it's been a, it's been a rough few months, but it has uh, bounced a little and is up 25%. Bit of recovery happening there. The ASX 200, uh, surprisingly down a uh, similar percentage to the S&P 500, but uh, over an extended period of time from the 4th of November through to the end of Jan, it fell almost 10%, just missing that correction and uh, is subsequently up 7%. And then a market we don't often talk about as much as the others, but we certainly should, and that's the FTSE 100 over in uh, over in London, it is uh, a bit of a slower start between seventeenth of Jan and the twenty fourth of Jan. It's down four percent, but has recovered almost the same amount, four percent. Mm. So it didn't really fall. Yeah. Uh, like it fell a bit, but you know, like it fell four percent in a week. That's that's pretty quick. But then it recovered most of that. Yeah. So I think the question that we have to ask to end this episode is: Is this a dead cat bounce? A what? <laughs> In finance, there's this term, uh, a dead cat bounce. Um, This is just where the term comes from, um, that there's an idea that even a dead count, even a dead cat will bounce if it falls from a great height. (laughs) Okay. How does that actually play out to what we're talking about? So the idea is uh, (laughs) if a stock falls enough, there will be some, it it will have some legs up and then before it actually falls to the ground. So. Rather, so we can ask, you know, all these company, all, all these indexes, these markets fell, and then they've come back up a little bit. The question is, are they actually recovering, or is this a dead cap bounce? Uh, it's a small, brief recovery in the price of a declining stock. If you look back in history of the stock market crashes over time, there have been dead cap bounces. Yeah. So if we go all the way back to the Great Depression of 1929. The stocks fell 45%, but then from late 1929 to uh, early 1930, stocks rose 47%. Soaked. Not bad. Yeah. Now, remember, if something falls 50%, so halves in value, it has to go up 100% to get back to even. Yeah. So fell 45%, up 47%, and then fell 80% from there. Ouch. That's a that's a, like the classic example of a dead cat bounce. But in other stock markets uh, falls, there have been similar dead cat bounces. The global financial crisis in 2008 saw the initial fall and then actually a gain of more than 25% and then a further fall. We've got this chart from the 2000 to 2002 bear market. We'll get this up on... Um, Instagram. Instagram on Wednesday's episode going out Monday. We'll post it on Monday so people can check it out. There were three separate rallies of around 20%, but over over the two years, if the stock market fell 50%. Mm. So mm. I've, I won't read you through it, but it's like, you know, it's like down 27%, up 19%, down 26%. So I guess the long and the short of what we're trying to say here is that 
stock market crashes are never linear. It's never just down, down, down. It's never the coals are red out, red hand down. <laughs> <laughs> that won't make sense if people are listening overseas. But um, yeah, it, it goes up and down, but over a stretch of time, it's a lot more down than up. And trying to play that game um, is often. Oh, don't try and time the market. Yeah, you're, like, you're just yeah. going to get into a world of hurt. So I guess that leads to the question, Ren, what do what do we expect to play out in 2022? How are we going to play it? I think it could be a dead cat bounce. I think I think the market could fall more. I, f- I think that the challenge is, especially if you look in America, Amazon, Microsoft and Apple, as long as they keep doing their thing, the S&P 500 index and the NASDAQ 100, like uh, every other company is really going to have to drag it down because they're just, those three are so big. Yeah, that's if yeah. you're an index investor. Yeah. You know, interest rates might rise. I think this year will be one of the harder years for us in our investing lives, our very short investing lives mm. so far. Yeah. But I'm excited by that because it will give us an opportunity to put cash into the market at lower prices there might be some individual stocks that become really attractive. You know, it's never good that the market falls, but I'm going into it being like the value of my portfolio might fall a bit, but it, this is the opportunity for us to set ourselves up for the next however many years we live, mm. hopefully century. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Yeah, look, I've learned the lesson that trying to trying to predict what's going to happen over the next 12 months and subsequently putting in to place a strategy that would work in favor of that prediction is the wrong thing to do. Yeah, it's yeah, impossible yeah. to to do that. So Yeah, do you remember when you would call a market yeah, yeah. crash every year? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it just didn't play out. I learned my lesson from that. I got seriously burnt. Yeah, seriously yeah. burnt. So like similar to the the vibe that's going on at the moment, it, f- it feels like there is a chance that we're going to see a lot more red this year. It might not it might not pan out that way, but I'm not changing my portfolio makeup at the moment. I'm not changing how I'm investing to to play into that thesis. I think one of the things that I really have in the back of my mind was when we spoke to Marcus Padley, and he's just kind of like, you got to assess it, the information at the time. Like mm-hmm. when it's happening, you can make some decisions. But there's no point trying to predict yeah, I and, like and make the decision before it happens yeah. because you're an idiot if you do that. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, the the only thing that I will change is I'm I'm probably not going to be a I'm not putting money into the market as frequently and in as large chunks as I had been over the last few years. Uh, and that's one way of sort of keeping a bit more cash on the side for the opportunities that might arise. But I'm not putting in, uh, you know. Uh, bare positions or, you know, I'm I'm not trying to go hard on value all of a sudden and all these sorts of things. Like the companies and the way that I've invested, I still genuinely think over 30, 40 years that's going to be the winning portfolio. So until it does start really turning and and the environment changes, um, I'm just going to enjoy the content that we're going to create from it. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I probably... No, that I will be steering away from. And I haven't really jumped headfirst into it. Web3, metaverse, cryptocurrency. And that's not because I don't believe that some of this technology has merit and some of these projects could become really meaningful. But in the same way that in 2000, a lot of the internet companies weren't wrong, they were just early, 
I think that's probably going to play out with a lot of these Web3 metaverse projects. There will be some gems. There will be some diamonds in the rough. There will be the Googles and the Amazons that, you know, become, you know, the next Web3 giants. Um, But a lot of these companies will probably not come to fruition in the same way that a lot of the internet companies of 2000 were great ideas like, cloud computing and online retail and all this stuff and a lot of them fell away because the world wasn't ready and technology wasn't ready so for me that's probably one area where i'm not really going to play i i dollar cost average a small amount into bitcoin and ethereum and i just don't i just don't think about it but that's probably the extent of it for me yeah yeah, I'm keen to see what happens in the NFT space this year, but um, similar to you, just uh, DCAing into a few of the the larger coins. But as a total proportion of my or portion of my portfolio, it's still what I'm putting into the market, not the value of it, but it's still a bit, it's still very small. Yeah. So Ren, look, plenty happening in the markets at the moment, and I hope we've been able to uh, sort of paint the equity mates picture here and, and how we're thinking about it and approaching. You know, we've got one side, Jeremy Grantham, saying that we're about to hit an, an all-time uh, crash that is going to be the worst that we've ever seen in history. And then on the other side, you've still got Apple and Amazon absolutely smashing it and pulling the market up. So plenty to consider. For us anyway, it's an exciting time to be involved in markets and I mm. hope that we're going to be able to create some content over the next few weeks or months or whatever it is that uh, helps people understand where they're at in the journey and provide some value. Yeah, and let's find some uh, really exciting individual companies that people mm. may not have heard of. And, you know, the last few years it's been tough to pick stocks because why would you do anything other than pick the big tech names? Yeah. Um, they just blew the lights out. Honestly, how good the big tech names are has caused a lot of headaches for uh, some fund managers. Um, But that this year might be the year that us trying to pick individual stocks and the professional stock pickers will show how good they are. That's it. So stay with us uh, over the next few months or years and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully help you on your investing journey. A reminder though that we have plenty of other podcasts in the network. Uh, talk Money to me, uh, you know, they're always uh, doing an order pad where they'll talk about two stocks on their watch list. So if you are also interested in specific stock chat uh, beyond just our podcast, head over there. Crypto Curious, uh, covering all things in the crypto space. Uh, and then we've got Your Own Good Company and Comedian V Economist, as well as Get Started Investing. So plenty of content uh, that we've got and so plenty of content and we've got you covered. Uh, also, please do fill out that survey if you have a moment. It'll take 15 minutes and you'll go in the draw to win 500 bucks. It'll help us to create even better content for you guys. And if uh, if that's not enough of us asking for things, if you could rate and review us, uh, that would be great as well. So uh, we hope you have a great week and Ren will be picking it up on Thursday. Sounds good. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Equity Mates. We love hearing from you. So drop us a line at contact at equitymates.com or even better, go to your podcast player and leave a five-star review. Also, a reminder that the Equity Mates content train doesn't stop when you've run out of episodes to binge. We've got a brand new website, a Facebook discussion group. We're on Instagram, YouTube, and slowly making our way as an influencer on TikTok. Well, that's Ren. So uh, come and say hello and join the community. We'd love to welcome you. Until next time. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. 
It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website, where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.